Thank you for tuning in to the World Overcomers podcast. On behalf of our senior pastor, Andy Thompson, we appreciate your continued support and generosity. Make sure you subscribe to our podcast to receive updates when we post new content every week. If you would like more information or want to make a contribution to World Overcomers or Pastor Andy, visit www.worldovercomers.church slash podcast. Once again, that is www.worldovercomers.church slash podcast. Enjoy the message. Happy Wednesday, family. Come on. You already know what it is. Week four of our sermon series on the life of Joseph, on how to build a resilient uh, stance, how to build a resilient mindset, how to have integrity, character, how to be someone who's dependable, how to be someone that God can trust. I think that God trusts resilient people. Uh, God trusts people like Job. God trusts people like Abraham. And he trusts people that he has tested. I think that if God has not tested you, then that means God is not at a place where he can trust you. Uh, And I actually do believe that God is testing all of us all the time. Life is testing us. God is uh, testing us. So uh, let's dive in. If you were here last week, you know exactly where we're going. Okay, if you were here last week, you know that we're going to dive into the three tests that God administers to Joseph. Three tests that God gives to Joseph. Uh, If you've been here for all four weeks, let me know in the chat right now. I just need you to type four for four, four for four, okay? If you've made it to week number four, and I pray that week one, week two, week three were all uh, beneficial, helpful, productive um, for your life. So uh, this is week four, and I'm ready to have a good time. Uh, If you weren't here last week, we established a thesis statement a premise that God does not trust what God has not tested. That many of us want God to trust us, but we don't want God to test us. (laughs) That we want God to trust us with wealth, to trust us with opportunities, to trust us with influence, to trust us with titles or positions, to trust us with uh, all types of things, but we don't want God to first test us. I've actually found... Uh, that God, God's winning God's trust is actually not that easy. I, I want to remind you of a man in the Bible named Abraham, okay? Uh, God says to Abraham, leave your father's house and go to a land that I will show you. And Abraham takes God at his word, believes God, leaves his father's house. Later in the story, Abraham separates himself from his nephew, Lot. Later in the story, Abraham, oh, get this, circumcises himself. Circumcises himself. Now, it's one thing for my old man Abe to go get circumcised. Nah, the Bible says he circumcised himself with a flint rock. That's a whole nother level. And then later in the story, he believes God for a child. And then later in the story, God asks him to sacrifice that child. You know, it's not until Abraham 
is ready and willing to sacrifice Isaac, that God actually says, whoa, 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 hold up. Ah, don't do it, Abraham. This was a test. And now I know that I can trust you. If I'm Abraham, I would have been thinking to myself, wait a second. You didn't know you could trust me after I cut the foreskin of my penis off? Are you joking? You didn't know that you could trust me when I left my father's house? You didn't know that you could trust me when I separated myself from Lot? You didn't know that you could trust me when I believed you for a child? See, a lot of us, we think we are at the ultimate test of whether or not God can trust us. But some of us are just taking warm-up laps. This is just a quiz. This ain't even a test. And you already uh, want to throw in the towel and you just getting quizzed by God. You ain't even getting tested by God yet. Oh, that's a, that's a word right there, whether you choose to receive it. It's a whole nother story altogether. But there's a lot of us, we're losing our mind over the lion and over the bear. And we haven't even faced Goliath yet. At some point, you're going to have to realize that the lion can't freak me out if I am going to face something bigger and stronger and more dangerous than the lion. That actually the lion is not the ultimate test. The bear is not the ultimate test. Those are just quizzes because Goliath is the ultimate test. And if I can give you a nerdy little detail, is actually um, the lion and the bear wasn't the ultimate test. And neither was Goliath. Goliath was actually preparation for David to defeat the real giant, who's Saul. And Saul's not the ultimate test. The ultimate test is the temptation of Bathsheba, is the temptation, is the test within. See, most of us think God is just one and done. He's going to test you one time, and that's it. But actually, God, go, God tests people the way that good companies do interviews. There's rounds of interviews. We're going to interview you five, six times. You got to take vacation days to get interviewed to work here because God understands that he actually has something that's valuable to offer. And those who have things that are valuable to offer, they don't trust quickly. They trust after vigorously testing people. So I, I need you to get this. God is testing those whom he desires to trust. God is always testing those whom he desires to trust. If you're in the middle of a test right now, it's because God, A, desires to trust you, and B, believes that he's taught you the material that you need in order to, uh, in order to excel in this test that you are in right now. Joseph, our main character for this entire sermon series on resilience, Joseph goes through three tests. Come on, three tests. I'm going to give you all three tests. Uh, the first test is a test of power. Power. It's the first test. It's a test of power. It's actually not a test of slavery. It's a test of power. It's a test. It's not a test of lust. It's a test of power. God uh, puts Joseph in a scenario where he has power over everything except one thing. And the real test of power is whether or not you get power hungry. See, 
God is testing whether or not Joseph uh, can be humble even when he's been given power. Whether or not he can be obedient even when he's the shot caller. Whether or not he uh, can submit, although there are people who submit to him. The real test here is not just a test of sexual or lustful temptation, but it's actually a test of power because in the narrative, Joseph says, my master has placed me in charge of everything except you. Are you okay with there being a leader above you that has more power than you and you being okay with the limited amount of power that's been delegated to you and not lusting after the power that is only theirs to have. See, most of us don't just lust after sex, we're lusting after power. We're not just lusting after sexual encounters because the lust just means great desire. You have a great desire for more authority and more titles and more power and more money and more influence and God is testing you with power. How do you handle power? When it's your turn to be the manager, are you generous? Are you kind? What comes out when God puts you in a position of influence? People have said this. The two hardest uh, uh, places in life to trust God and submit to him fully is when we are richly blessed and when we are totally at rock bottom. The, that's the hardest place because when you're at rock bottom, you can be angry at God. And when you're at the top of your game, you're filled with pride and you think it's you that got you there. See, the hardest thing, when you are believing God for something and you're not there yet, you know, part of that faith kind of keeps you in check. But when you've ascended to where you want to be, all oh, that stuff can get to your head and that's a test. I remember when I was a youth pastor, I would, I would call, you know, I would test teenagers um, by throwing them my keys. You know, we would be getting ready for youth service and maybe we'd need something from Walmart or CVS. I'd throw them my keys and I said, hey, you know, I'd throw, you know, a teenager there my keys. And I'd say, hey, just go get the stuff that we need. And every time I threw them keys, it was a test. If they brought my car back and it smelled like weed, <laughs> they'd never get those keys again. If they brought my car back and there was a scratch on the bumper, they'd never get the keys again. But if they brought my car back and they put extra gas in it, oh, I'd give them the keys anytime. If they brought the car back and it smelled good and they washed my car while they had it, oh, I'd give them the keys again. Why? Because they, and I would always do this to kids who wanted to preach. Because before I would throw you a microphone, I'd throw you some keys to see whether or not you can be trusted with power. You think you've got the influence that you have just because of what? Your education or your personality or your good looks? Or has God elevated you to that platform because God wants to get glory out of the position of power that you currently hold? At some point, you're going to have to realize that God doesn't just trust me with battles and rock bottom but he also trusts me with fame and influence and wealth and status and money and power. And I have to get this steward that power, not hoard that power, believing the trick of the enemy that I own all this stuff. 
I want to be an owner of nothing but a steward of everything. My name is the name on the title or the deed, but man, because I've given my life to the Lord, everything I have belongs to God. Every opportunity, every platform, every piece of property, every vehicle, it all belongs to God because God is always testing us with power. Now, uh, Joseph passed this test. He passed this test. He keeps his integrity. Uh, and because he keeps his integrity, he's now thrown into test number two. And the second test is the test of prison. Oh, the test of prison. And you never know who's watching you walk through the most difficult season of your life. The very person who's going to be responsible for getting Joseph out of the prison is in the prison watching him, observing him, and paying attention to all of his actions and decisions. See, you don't know who's watching you walk through pain. And you have to realize that power is a platform, but pain is a platform as well. If you study the Bible, you'll actually realize that before prison, Joseph could only have dreams. But it is in prison that his gift goes from being a gift to, to, to being something that he's anointed to do. And not only does he have the ability to have dreams, but he unlocks the ability to interpret dreams. He, can no, he cannot interpret dreams before prison. It is the pressure of prison that allows Joseph to go from giftedness to anointed. From gifted to anointed. From gifted to anointed. See, a gift is symbolized by an olive in its raw form. But Jesus goes through Gethsemane before his death, before his trial. Gethsemane is what's called the crushing place or the pressing place. It's actually an olive press where you'd put olives and you'd have to press them in order to get oil. The only way... For an olive to become olive oil is through pressure and pain and prison and solitary confinement and discomfort and suffering and pressure. See, Joseph could only have dreams before prison, but it's in prison that he unlocks the ability not just to have dreams, but to interpret dreams. Can I help you? You need the hard seasons of life. There was a, there's actually a, a biodome, I think, uh, in Arizona. I think the University of Arizona actually runs this biodome. And they were growing trees in the biodome. And uh, they had a problem, though, because it was a perfect environment. You know, perfect temperature, perfect amounts of oxygen and nitrogen. And, you know, literally they created a biodome with a perfect environment. Kind of like a hyperbaric chamber, but a massive biodome. But they would find is that trees would grow 10, 15, 20 feet, and then out of nowhere, these perfect trees in a perfect environment would just fall to the ground and break. They just crash. They just just get, just literally, you know, crash and burn. And they couldn't figure out why the perfect trees in the perfect environment weren't lasting the test of time, why they weren't resilient. And then they begin to study trees in 
their natural habitat, like trees in the woods or in the forest. And what they realized is that when trees are growing in their natural habitat, not a perfect habitat, but a natural habitat, that the trees are in an environment where there's wind. And so what builds up in the trees is what's called stress wood. That there's wood that can only be built in a tree when there's wind that beats against the tree. That a perfect environment actually does not produce a perfect tree. A perfect environment produces a weak tree. And it is the stress of life that produces strength in you to be resilient through storms and resilient through trials and resilient through Gethsemane and resilient through pain. And so often we want God to make everything perfect. But God doesn't even make creation perfect. He makes it good and he makes it good so that Adam and Eve will have to cultivate it into what God wants it to be. The first test is a test of power. The second test is the test of prison. And the question is, can I be faithful even in an uncomfortable circumstance and in an unfavorable season? If it was me, I mean, I would have had a specific attitude about prison every day if it had been me. Like, I would have been shouting from the top of my lungs, I didn't do it! <laughs> I got framed! You know, I, give me a lawyer! <laughs> I get three calls! You know, like, I, every day. I would have been the most annoying prisoner. They would have released me just because just I was annoying. But that's not Joseph's stance. Joseph believes this. If I was anointed to steward in my father's house, and then I got taken out of my father's house, put in Potiphar's house, and that anointing to steward didn't leave me, but I worked it even in a different environment, then let me go ahead and try to work what's in me in an environment that is different. And what Joseph finds out is that the same anointing that worked in his dad's house in a perfect or an ideal environment is the same uh, anointing that will work in a stressful environment. And it's the same anointing that will work in a prison environment because it's never the environment that dictates whether or not you're successful. It's the anointing that's on you that dictates whether or not you are going to be successful. And it will work if you work it. If you work it. And so the Bible says that the prison begins to flourish under Joseph's care. That Joseph is second in command for his father. He's second in command for Potiphar. And then he becomes second in command in prison. And he proves to the Lord, I don't need power and order for you to have a platform. Even if I'm in prison, prison now will just be the new platform for your glory to be revealed even here. And there's a lot of us who would say, why? I mean... I'll jump at the opportunity to work for Potiphar's house 
but I don't want to work in the prison. And God begins to go, ah. See, you think you need ideal conditions in order to produce the fruit that I want to produce in your life. You don't need ideal conditions. I need you to be the kind of leader who can take two fish and five loaves and turn it into something. I need you to be able to take this garden called Eden and turn it into something. I need you to be able to take these employees and turn them into something. I want you to take these 12 disciples who are unlearned fishermen and turn them into something. I need you to take these prisoners in these prison walls, in these prison cells, and turn this into something. I need you to take these lemons, and I need you to make some lemonade. Here's the first test. is the test of power. The second test is the test of prison. And here's the third test and the final test, the last test. It says this in Genesis chapter 30, Genesis chapter 37, verse 8. It says that his brother said to him, do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule us? And they hated him all the more because of his dream and what he had said. They're asking him, will you reign over us? No way. We'll never bow down to you. If you fast forward now five chapters in Genesis chapter 42, this is what happens. Now Joseph was the governor of the land, the person who sold grain to all its people. So when Joseph's brothers arrived, they bowed down to him with their faces to the ground. And the Bible says that Joseph recognizes them, but they do not recognize Joseph. Friends, family, the third test is the test of your past. Because Joseph's past comes walking right in to his life. These brothers that he has not seen in decades, these brothers who are responsible for an estranged relationship between him and his father, these brothers who have sold him into slavery that are responsible for him being a prisoner, these brothers who are trifling and jealous and undisciplined, these brothers who are full of envy and strife, these brothers who stripped him and got an animal, put the animal's blood on Joseph's coat, took it back to their father, and convinced their father that this boy's dead. These brothers come right back into Joseph's life. Had it been me, don't judge me. Do not judge me. Do not judge me. Had it been me, I would have had a couple of words. Three, specifically. First word, guards. Second and third words, spear them, okay? They would have been dead. Oh, they would have been dead. If I'm Joseph, there's no consequences for killing them. They foreigners anyway. They immigrants. They ain't Egyptians. They, they don't, nobody cares. I'm in second in command. I have all authority. This ain't no democracy. I, I can do whatever I want. Guards, spear them. Ooh, but get this. Had Joseph killed his brothers in revenge, he would have been killing the very dream that God had given him in Genesis chapter 37. Because unforgiveness and bitterness and resentment will kill every good thing that God wants to bring into your life. See, the first test is the test of power. What are you going to do with all that influence? What are you going to do with your platform? What are you going to do with your fame, your wealth, your money? What are you going to do with it? 
You're going to hoard it, keep it to yourself, think it's yours, or are you going to live open-handed with integrity and character, with resilience in the face of people who want you to compromise? The test of your of solitary confinement is <laughs> can you be hidden? Are you okay with out having notoriety or credit or fame? Are you addicted to the fame and now that you're in prison, you're broken because you missed the previous season? Are you okay with anonymity? The test of prison is saying, God, I don't just trust you when everything's going well, but I also trust you when life is falling apart. And then last, is the test of your past. The test of whether or not you took advantage of prison to actually forgive your brothers because the very people who you thought you'd never see again are the very people who are often being used as a test of God to see whether or not there is pain and bitterness and resentment in your heart or whether there's healing and love and forgiveness in your heart for other people. Now, when it comes to forgiveness, forgiveness doesn't have to mean reconciliation. We confuse these in church a lot, and we assume that forgiveness automatically comes with reconciliation. You don't have to have a reconciled relationship for there to be a forgiveness that takes place. This is why there are people who they've got uncles or family members or parents that have died. They're deceased. They haven't been alive in years and they still hold on to what? Unforgiveness. There's no possibility for reconciliation, but there is a possibility for forgiveness. Forgiveness is what, how you feel internally about that person. Do you have good thoughts or God's thoughts or painful thoughts or traumatic thoughts around that person? Are you able to actually pray for them? Have you forgiven them? Because unforgiveness, the Bible describes unforgiveness as holding on to people. And anything you hold on to, you're actually in intimate relationship with. And can I tell you something? For a lot of us, the person that you need to forgive has already caused you enough pain. Why would you keep them in your life by refusing to forgive. Forgiveness means you let them go. And actually when you let them go, you let yourself go from having to be continually traumatized by what they did in your life. Forgiveness is not just a gift you give to others. Forgiveness is actually a gift that you first give to yourself. The world has kind of taught us that only weak people forgive. Strong people hold a grudge. And actually, the opposite is true. It takes a lot of strength to forgive, and it's weak people who hold a grudge. And uh, to give you another tree example, the only trees that survive storms are the ones that know how to bend. Being stubborn actually means that you will be broken into pieces. The trees that are stiff and stubborn and can't bend, those are the first trees to break in the middle of a storm. Can I tell you how to be resilient? Resilience is established in us 
when we've got some stress wood because of the winds of life have caused us to learn how to bend. And it takes bending to forgive. It takes bending to reconcile if that relationship is a relationship that should have reconciliation. Can I challenge you to forgive? Because you cannot see clearly through the vision that God has for you if you're always staring into the rearview mirror of your past. The windshield of your future has to be more appealing than the rearview mirror of your past. If you attempt to drive by only looking into the rearview mirror, you will crash the, the vehicle of destiny that God actually has that's bringing you into your future. To the dream that God has for you. But you cannot access God's dream for your life as long as there's bitterness and unforgiveness and hate and indifference that is taken root in your heart, wrapped its tentacles around your emotions and is holding you captive. Joseph is a resilient person because Joseph understands that if I'm going to continue to break out of generational cycles, what good is it, what good is it to break free of the cycle of lying but now establish a cycle of unforgiveness? I don't want to be in any cycle. And it's easy sometimes to judge those who are trapped in a cycle that's not our cycle. You may be judging saying, oh, it's easy to break out of a generational cycle of lying, but here you are creating a new generational cycle of unforgiveness. I wanna pray for you. I wanna pray that tonight you would release someone who's, who's harmed you, hurt you, disappointed you, and that you would start walking in the fullness of freedom. If that's you and you know you need prayer, come on, let me know in the chat. Say, this prayer is for me. This prayer is for me, Pastor Manny. Come on, I want to pray for you. God, I thank you that you have hope for us. You've got a dream for us. You've got a vision for our life. God, anything that's coming in the way of us walking in the fullness of what you have for us, God, we ask that that thing would be cast down. God, I ask for supernatural grace. God, it's not by power nor by might, but by your spirit, says the voice of the Lord God. And there's some of us we've been trying to forgive for years. And God, we need your grace to actually do it. And we need to realize that grace, that forgiveness is, uh, is something that happens uh, in cycles. That it is an ongoing process, not a one-time event. So, God, we invite those in the, that's watching this right now into the lifelong process of laying down our rights to hold on to grudges and instead sacrificing our flesh, putting our flesh on the altar so that we can actually walk in healed relationships. God, we need that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I love you. Uh, God, I pray a prayer of dismissal over your people. God, give them peace. God, I ask that uh, you'd bring them to church on Sunday safely uh, in their right mind. Keep us in perfect peace. Sustain us. In Jesus' name we pray.
Amen. Hey, I hope the word of God tonight was helpful for you. If you were here for all four weeks, let me know in the chat. Give me a four for four. Let me know. Pastor Manny, I was here for four weeks. If you live in the Triangle area and World Overcomers is uh, not your home church, you've only ever seen us online, how about you join us in person this Sunday? If this is your home church, we'll see you right here on Sunday. And if you live across the globe, we love you. And we'll see you next Wednesday. Till next time, family. Peace. Hopefully you were blessed and encouraged by this message. Visit www.worldovercomers.church slash podcast for more information on WOCC and events that are coming up. Maybe we are coming to your area soon. God bless.